marriage, uh, guys and gals, the battle of the two sexes is what uh, our author wrote on there, but just the different things that need to be discussed for parents, for young people, and every three years or so should be reviewed and talked about, especially for those with children or those who are young adults or young children. Uh, And so we're going through this tonight. If you weren't here or didn't get last week's, we'll have that for you. I've got that. You can catch up and and get a a handout. If you'd like one of those little uh, folders that have a three-ring binder clips in them, you can take one uh, unless they're gone. Uh, We can get some more. But if if you want to use it that way or just keep the staple in it and just flip it that way and then put it in your own binder at home or whatever. Uh, But I hope that you'll make use of it and if nothing else, at least follow along tonight. So... The second lesson, is there a man in the house? And of course, Joshua twenty four fifteen says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we need to talk about manhood. If there's one thing that's lacking, it's definitely men. And not just, not just your John Wayne type man, although I think we're lacking in that area too, uh, but spiritual men, men who are really godly men. And that's really what manliness is. And uh, the Bible says that Moses was a meek man, but the Bible also indicates Moses was a man. And Christ was a man. And uh, we need to understand uh, what that's all about. It's more than just the physical, although there is part of it. So let's look at Ezekiel chapter 22. And uh, I'm going to read you the memory text. It's Titus chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. And so then it says, think about it. In Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 29, the people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord. And so it says in verse 30, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. And we're in the stage here, even in our own country, where there's getting to be more and more women leaders. And that's not a good thing because women aren't good at leading, but that wasn't their role. And what that really means is, is that men aren't leading. That's what that really means. And even even our, our senator who is currently being under fire right now, the first thing she said when I talked to her the first time was, I so, I'm so sick of peer. And uh, I can just hear it in her voice, the stress and the strain. And, you know, I, I, I personally don't think that that's a job for a lady. I think it's supposed to be a man. And uh, the problem is, is our society wants women. And uh, it's, it's some kind of, you know, it's kind of like, you know, uh, the president wants to find, you know, a black woman to replace everybody, you know, because that's the politically correct thing to do. Uh, and, and what's not correct anymore is just men being in charge. Now, I realize that men have messed up, and there are a lot of men who have been abusive and ugly and whatnot, and so that leads to it, right? That's part of it. But let's just talk about seeking for a man. The people of Israel had been very wicked before God. God was searching for a leader of courage and character to intercede for the people, restore righteousness in the land. But God's search was very specific, for he was looking for a man. This job, said God, calls for a man. 
Even today, God's looking for real men to lead the way and stand for truth. Uh, someone just contacted me and told me that uh, a young man's considering uh, taking a pastorate. He said, right now you can take a dart and throw it at the map in America. There's churches all over looking for men, looking for a pastor. And, 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 and can women be pastors? No. And, and, and so we have a crisis of manhood even in churches today. God is looking for real men to lead the way and stand for truth. In fact, manhood is so important to God that four books of the Bible were addressed to young men when they were written. With the exception of only a few chapters, Proverbs was written by Solomon to instruct his son. Most of the chapters start out my son. His son in the truth about life and human nature. The pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, those are all written directly to men. And uh, Paul is instructing these young preachers in the ministry. The Bible is far from silent about what a young man should be. So we need to understand some things about men, and we need to understand some things that the world says about men. So I know there's fill-in-the-blanks, and I might forget to tell you or to slow down to fill-in-the-blanks, but if I've already done that, I'm sorry, but hopefully you, you're following along. But the media myths about masculinity, all right? The media myths about masculinity. And on one side, you're, you're going to write down the Hollywood's masculine man, and on the other side, you're going to write down a Bible verse, just the, the reference, and you can look it up later. I'll read it to you as we go. But... Number one, and I mentioned John Wayne a minute ago, so I'm going to go ahead and with number one, we'll use this one. Uh, Beer drinking. (laughs) I don't know there's ever been a John Wayne movie where he wasn't drinking a beer somewhere. And do you know something? You don't have to drink beer to be a man. I know that might be a shock to somebody, but you don't. And Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise but i i've watched i've never drank i've never drank but i have watched several westerns and i like westerns but sometimes and i'm sure you'll agree with me sometimes more often than not they'll they'll measure up the man by how much he can drink is that am i wrong about that no that that's kind of what they you know and 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 listen that's just a myth okay that doesn't prove anything about your manhood number two swearing swearing Hollywood and, and society somehow, and, and sometimes you get around somebody and you can tell that they're just trying to impress you with their swearing. And God's word says in Colossians chapter 3, and you just write this down, Colossians 3, 8, again, I'll read it. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Uh, you do not need to swear and cuss uh, to be a man. It is not necessary. In fact, it's probably the opposite and then number three and this would connect with proverbs chapter 16 so number three macho image a macho image proverbs chapter 16 says in verse 18 pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall somebody said macho means donkey in spanish i don't know but anyway you don't need to be macho to be a man you that's not what makes you a man all right, and uh, pride and arrogancy and, and, and haughtiness, that's not it. Um, and then another one, and this kind of hits home for me because sometimes I have done this, although I don't purposely do it, but fast driving. <clears throat> now, I don't think there's anything wrong with fast driving as long as it's in a legal place to do it, you know, it's a, a you know, racetrack or something. Uh, but you're not manly because you can drive fast. Uh, and Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 4, 
it just talks about obeying the laws, all right? And the laws are for our good. And we are to be subject, verse 1, unto the higher powers. Um, and verse 2 says, if you resist the power, you resist the ordinance of God. Uh, verse 3 says, rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. That stop sign out there at the end of their lane here, that's a good thing. That's very good. It keeps people from getting hurt. It keeps you from hurting someone. It keeps you from getting hurt. And so rules are good. And when we disobey the law and we prove how macho we are by our fast driving, uh, we're not manly for doing that, especially if we kill someone, especially if there's a vehicular homicide. And then not only that, but number five, another Hollywood masculine man. And, and this is just, I think, I think all five of these pretty much fit what Hollywood says is a masculine man. Number five is fast with women. Fast with women. And uh, Hollywood paints that as being a pretty cool thing. Hebrews 13 verse 4 says, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. So Hebrews 13 verse 4. God has no problem with marriage and even the marriage bed. But fornication and adultery, God is against that and we talked about that last week also you can write down proverbs chapter 6 and i'll give you the verses here in a second proverbs chapter 6 and uh uh verse 13 is one of the key verses proverbs chapter 6 and verse 12 a naughty person a wicked man walketh with a froward mouth he winketh with the eyes he speaketh with his feet he teacheth with with his fingers Forwardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Uh, verse 13, the idea of the flirt and the guy who's fondling and, uh, and not, not at all uh, hesitate, hesitating to touch you and whatnot. Fast with women. Listen, that's not manly. Uh, guys might praise a guy who can, you know, get a girlfriend fast or get her number or whatever. Listen, that's not, that's not a great accomplishment. Uh, and we need to understand, uh, verse 26 of Proverbs 6 says, For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. And so in the end, he, he's not doing himself any favors, let alone any, anyone else. And so that's Hollywood's idea. Now, along with that, the TV teen guy. And I don't even know who the teen guys are today. Hopefully you don't either. But um, when I was a kid, uh, one guy that was popular on TV was... Um, Kirk Cameron. Thankfully, I think Kirk Cameron has gotten saved and no longer has anything to do with that. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Kirk Cameron was on the same TV show with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. And, and Leonardo DiCaprio has gone on to huge fame and Hollywood fortune and success or whatever as far as the world's concerned. Personally, I think Kirk Cameron has made a much better choice. But the world says that the TV teen guy, that's, and so there's, there's that, and so teenagers who watch TV and, and movies and whatnot. And, and I've said this before, but I remember when my mother, you know, my, when my mother was a teenager, the popular guy was Rock Hudson. Of course, Rock Hudson died of AIDS. I think the first person I ever heard that died of AIDS was Rock Hudson, and I believe he was a homosexual. So be careful of your teenage you know, TV idol or whatever. But number one, handsome, all right? Hardly ever does TV in Hollywood have an ugly guy as the lead role, you know? First um, Samuel 16, verse 7, that's the verse that goes with that. In First Samuel 16, 7, it says, man, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks 
on the heart. And one thing that Hollywood always emphasizes is the outward appearance, because Hollywood can't really show the heart. And and yet, you know, all of us old, balding, gray-haired, fat people in here can tell you that the outward is not as important as the inward. We know. Uh, we uh, we realize that love isn't really about the outward, which is a good news for some of you guys. No, just kidding. But <clears throat> anyhow, handsome. That's 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 another myth. You don't need to go there. Popular and crowd pleasing. Number two, popular and crowd pleasing. You can write down Romans twelve verse one and two next to that. It says, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice." holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that is just the opposite of what most teenagers want to do, most people want to do, because that's not popular. A living sacrifice, not conformed to the world? No, I want to be conformed. I want to fit in. I don't want to stick out like a weirdo. And so popular and crowd-pleasing. It's peer pressure. It's a waste of time, but... That's what drives things, and that's what pushes that. Number three, speaking of driven, number three, sex-driven, Matthew 5, 27 and 28. Matthew chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 27 and 28. That is, that is obvious in Hollywood. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 27 28, you know, don't think that adultery is just outward, uh, an act. Adultery actually starts in the heart. He said, if a man thinks in his heart, if he looks on a woman and lusts after her in his heart, he's committed adultery with her in his heart. In other words, as I with x-ray vision, I as God with x-ray vision can see the adultery going on in his heart, even though no one else can prove that he's committed adultery. And obviously, if you don't think it in your heart, you'll not probably commit the act. That's pretty obvious. But that's Hollywood. And so uh, it's all about the sex appeal and, and that sort of thing. And and again, you know, it's it's about good looking, good looking, because that that catches our eye and causes us to think things. And then the TV teen guy is subject to very limited authority. Back there in Romans chapter thirteen, verse one, you can write that down. Romans thirteen one. Um, he he's not going to be subject to higher power. In fact, the cool teen guy is always getting away and getting around the authority. He's not obeying authority. He's cool, man. And so he's figuring out how to circumvent and trick the adults in his life. And sometimes the parents, or, or maybe the parents especially. And then Colossians 3.20 will be another one. And it says in Colossians 3.20, Children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. I mean, just just that verse right there is so uncool with a lot of teenagers today because they think that's just not going to make them happy. And then Proverbs chapter 6, Proverbs chapter 6, but by the way, the Bible's opposite of what people think. The Bible says that is how you get long life is obeying your parents and honoring them. Proverbs 6 verse 20, my son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. And so uh, those verses, I'm just, hopefully you're just writing down the references and you can, that way you can look, you can always go back and look at the verses later. But uh, so if I've gone too fast, I'm sorry, but I'll give you the list. First Samuel six sixteen seven for the first one. Romans twelve one and two. Second one Matthew five twenty seven twenty eight. Third one subject to limited authority. Romans thirteen one. 
Colossians 3.20, and Proverbs 6.20. And then the last one, number five, he's manipulative. He's manipulative. And Proverbs 28.13, I actually read this on Sunday, it says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. And so the idea of covering and lying and being manipulative, all right, that's the typical Hollywood concept of cool and attractive and whatnot. All right, so filling out more blanks, there is really just one problem with the media image of manhood and the typical teenager, and that is this. It is a lie. It is a lie. That's not what makes you manly or makes you uh, really actually valuable and godly. These images are based on the false values, if you're filling in the blanks, the false values of the world rather than God's truth. And we should know by now that the world has a false set of values. And the world is driven by Hollywood and Hollywood finds out what the world wants and they give give them more of it. So let her be caution. Television is hardly a good source for role models. Don't learn about romance and don't learn about love on the TV. That's not where you're, you should really be learning it from. I think where you should be learning it from is your parents, but a lot of people don't necessarily have good role models in their own home with their parents. And so what happens is then they turn to the movies and the TV, maybe the books. Don't use the world's standards as your guide. Better to check the book, B-O-O-K, the book, the Bible. Check with the Bible. Find out what is the role model for manliness. So I know there's girls in here, but girls, I hope you realize that I'm giving you a lot of good information. Even though you're not a man, this is what you should be writing down because this is the kind of man you should be looking for. And guys, obviously, this is what what you should be. All right, so measuring your manliness. We've got some rulers here. And first of all, we're going to talk about the wrong rulers, the wrong guidelines or rulers. So these rulers, many teen boys use the wrong measuring stick to measure the worth of a man, as we talked about. Number one ruler would be biology. Biology may smile on some and frown on others. That's a nice way of saying some people are nice looking, other people you just were born ugly. Sorry the way it is. Remember, biology makes you a male. But it takes character and courage and godliness to make you a real man. You might be born a male, but that doesn't mean you're a man. Even if you get to be 25, that doesn't make you a man. It's character and courage, godliness. And then number two, the the worldly rule, sexual interest. Now, it is normal and it is right to be interested in girls. That's normal and natural. But impurity in either thought or action is not masculine, it's sin. It isn't masculine, instead it's sin. Any male, biology-wise, can do something like that. But it takes manliness to stand for what's right, like Joseph, who we've been talking about in Sunday school. Joseph was a young man who stood for what's right, even though he was very much tempted by this woman who wanted him to sin. Um, I remember several years ago, one of our missionaries in Canada was here, and, and he said, when I was working with these guys, they would give me a hard time, and they would tease me about the fact that I was a virgin 
as a grown man before I was married. And he said one, he said to them one time, he, he said, and I, I remember what he said, he said, look, I know you guys make fun of me or whatever, but I just want to obey the word of God and I want to do what God says. And I know I will be blessed for it and it will be the right thing to do and a blessing to me, to my wife, to my children. And besides all that, I can be you any day, but you can never be me again. Wow. You've thrown something away you can never get back. Wow. I'm glad he said that to them. It's sin, and yet Hollywood pushes it, pushes it, pushes it, pushes it to the point where I was just I was just listening to someone talking about their wedding, and they were talking about how that they're getting married this weekend, but they still plan to work Friday, and they still plan to work Monday. And I thought, that's weird. And then I thought, but I think I know why. And I'm just... I'm not going to say who or where, but I, I think I know why. I think it's because they're probably already living together. So all they're going to do this weekend is just do the formalities. No, see, no sense doing anything else, you know. That's the way people think. That's the way the world thinks. When I drive the school bus and the church vans, I hear kids all the time. And typically most kids today talk about mommy's boyfriend and daddy's girlfriend. Hardly any of them talk about mom and dad or husband and wife. We have children that were here in this building earlier tonight that have never lived in a home with adults who were married. That's just becoming their normal. That That's their normal. And our sexual depravity just gets worse and worse and worse. You might find this shocking, but I can take you about five miles from here. I can drive you to a place and show you of a, of a place where there is a man and there are two sisters and that man has had relations with both sisters, and from those both sisters, there are children, half-brother-sister. Right here in Custer. And this is still happening. They still are living as that. Our sexual depravity just gets worse. And because Satan never stops with just little sexual sin, it just gets worse and worse and more disgusting. Number three, here's another worldly ruler. <clears throat> the athletic ability and achievement. I mean, that's huge, you know. If you're athletic, every young man should strive to be physically strong and fit. Every young man should be wanting to do that. But you do not have to be an all-American athlete to be a man. It's not what makes you a man. And when fathers make that the emphasis, it really has a hard time for the puts a hard time on the son or daughter because if they don't achieve that, then they feel like a a loser or a failure. And Again, it could be that you have talent and gift, and and yet that doesn't make you a man by itself. And then number four, another bad ruler that people measure is hobbies and interests. Hobbies and interests. I suppose we would say, real men know how to hunt and fish and shoot a gun and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, I think that's there's some good things to that, and and yet... Um, a young man should not take up hobbies or be interested in things which are feminine. Amen to that. I don't think anybody in here, any guys in here are doing any crocheting or or uh, learning how to sew dresses or something. You know, thank, praise the Lord, I hope so. hope not. Probably none of the guys in here know anything about Mary Kay and foundation and other makeup products. That's good. On the other hand, do not ignore God-given talents to avoid being called a sissy. What do you mean by that? Well, how about musicians? How about to refuse? 
many teen boys refuse to sing in a choir because they have mistaken the idea that uh, that real men don't do choirs. You know what the Bible says in Second Samuel 23, verse 1? It says, David the king who killed Goliath, David the king, the manly king who killed Goliath, was the sweet psalmist of Israel. He, he was a musician. He played probably the harp, and we know he played stringed instruments. And he wrote a lot of the psalms, the songs. He was a musician. And there were other men in the Bible who were godly, and they were musicians. Nothing wrong with that. All right, and then the fifth false ruler is fashion and clothing and hairstyles. That's supposed to make you, you know, the GQ, all right, GQ, Gentleman's Quarterly or whatever. Those who wear modest or conservative clothing or hairstyles are often branded as wimps by the world. Few of the critics would have the guts to wear the same, though. Christian young men should always wear clothing and hairstyles which accent their masculinity and do not reflect a worldly lifestyle. And the first time I saw it, I I almost threw up, and every time I see it, I still want to throw up, and that is these guys with their skinny jeans and just looking weird, man. It's just gross. What is going on? And what are you doing? And it's just gross. But um, that is not at all impressive. Uh, to me anyway, and I, and I know God would not have us to look <clears throat> worldly or feminine. And then the results of it, the results, number two, when a teen boy uses the wrong rulers to measure his worth as a man, he will either become proud because he has some of those things or and selfish, or he'll become frustrated and lose his self-respect. All right? So let's go through those five rulers one by one. Biology. The false ruler of biology. Handsome and physically attractive. The results are proud. All right, I think that's the blank you need to fill in there. The results are proud. But then their biology is frail and physically unattractive. So their results are frustrated. Frustrated. Or handicapped. Frustrated. Hey, you know what? If God allowed you to be formed that way or made you that way, then praise the Lord for it and don't be frustrated. On the other hand, if you happen to be endowed with some handsomeness or physical abilities uh, and attractiveness, don't be proud. All right? Sexual interests, lustful with low moral standards. I'm thankful that that I never was super handsome or physically attractive. And I'm thankful that I've not ever been fast with women. And I'm thankful that that has not had me to ever be proud of it. Lustful with low moral standards, proud. Or then chivalrous with high moral standards. You, you don't want anything to do with that. But you're frustrated because you see all the girls seem to flock and swoon over the guy who does look good or whatever. Listen. Don't be frustrated on one hand and don't be proud on the other hand. And then hobbies and interests. Interested in outdoor sports such as hunting and fishing and rafting. Uh, And you're good at it, you know. You're real good at that stuff. And you can become proud because you're really good at what you can do outdoors and whatnot. Or interested in team sports like basketball, football, baseball. Again, proud because of your ability to do certain things. And 
maybe you are interested in music and art, science and math, and you're just more of a brain or more of your talents are different in that way, but you're frustrated because you're not noticed for that. Either way, be careful. You're not either proud or frustrated, but rather you're just satisfied and content with what God has made you. And you give him the glory instead of take it for yourself. Athletics, well-coordinated with good athletic ability. You can become proud. Or poorly coordinated with little athletic ability. Frustrated. And then fashion, able to afford the best. Parents hardly ever have any restrictions on you. You you can just have whatever you want. Proud. Or unable to afford the best. And parents make restrictions about your fashion. And it gets to be frustrating. Either way, we need to watch that and be aware of what of of how either way that can affect us. And you know why it, it does? Because we are using the wrong rulers of biology or sexual interests or hobbies and, and, and interests and, and athletics or, or fashions and what we own. And all those things are are the wrong measuring stick to be using. We shouldn't be using those measuring sticks. Here's the right measuring sticks that we should be using. All right, so let's quickly look at these. Using the word of God, the rulers that come from God's word, all right? That really teaches us what a man ought to be. Number one, courage. We already read Ezekiel 22. A man that will stand in the gap. If you were here Sunday night, I preached about Micaiah, 2 Chronicles 18. Micaiah had courage. He knew he was going to get thrown in prison for telling the truth, but he told the truth anyway. That's a man. A man who's not afraid, like Psalms 15 verse 4 says, a man that swears to his own hurt and changes not. Guys, there might come a time where you have to stand for what's right and everybody around you is laughing at you and mocking you. But you know what? There might be a godly girl that says, wow, I am attracted to that guy. He's got courage. Nobody else notices it right now, but 30 years from now, I'm going to be still thankful for this courageous man versus some guy who can just shoot a ball real well. Number one ruler, courage. Secondly, convictions. Hebrews 11:23 through 25. You know who that's about? It's about Moses. Moses. And the Bible says concerning, remember Moses grew up in Egyptian in Pharaoh's palace. In Hebrews 11, verse 23, it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because he saw, they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Moses chose correctly. And he had access to all the fame and fortune. A man must have the conviction to do what is right, even if when it will cost him something. Christian men should be willing to live by their principles and die for them if necessary. That's courageous. That's courage. That's the kind of man you should be looking for, girls. And that's the kind of man you need to be, men. And so another ruler is number three, testimony. A testimony. Paul told Timothy to be an example of the believer's. Be thou an example of the believers. Having a testimony. We were studying Joseph on Sunday mornings. And Joseph had an awesome testimony. And what a great thing if you can have. And girls, you should be praying for a a godly man who has these kinds of guidelines in his life. Proverbs chapter 4, 
in verse 23 it says keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life put away from thee a forward mouth perverse lips put far from thee look let thine eyes look right on thine eyelids look straight before thee ponder the path of thy feet let all thy ways be established turn not to the right hand nor to the left remove thy foot from evil you get invited to a party don't go <clears throat> if you know that testimony even if you go and you say i'm not going to do anything wrong if you're there and it's not a good place to be that's a bad testimony <clears throat> think about it and so a testimony that you want to hold and then number four submission we talked about this already about obeying and submitting to authority and 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 finding god's will and knowing the authority that god's placed over you and just obeying it a christian young man will honor his parents and submit to the authorities that god has put in his life in chapter 10 of proverbs verse 1 a wise son maketh a glad father but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8 it says 1 8 my son hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother uh, exodus twenty twelve, honor thy father and mother submission that's a a ruler that that's a good indicator and girls you see a young man that's disrespectful to his authority get away from that guy but he's so cute and he is so popular and he likes me listen if he is disrespectful to authority you get away from that guy you need to understand he's 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 not obeying god and you need to recognize what's going to happen <clears throat> you better you better watch it you're going you're in trouble this is for the girls as much as the guys tonight. Next week is actually for the girls, but tonight is just as much for you as well. Bible study. Psalm 119.11, Thy word's a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Thy word have I hid my heart that I might not sin against thee. Um, <clears throat> study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Um, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. God expects men, not just the pastor, God expects men to read and be well-grounded in the word. Right after we get done tonight, there's going to be four young men. They're going to meet with me in a room, and we're going to do more Bible study. That's a good thing. And you should, you should find out if your man or your guy, your boyfriend or whatever, is he studying, does he know the Bible, and is he studying the Bible? Or, or are you going to know more of the Bible than him? You know what's going to happen if you marry a guy that you know the Bible more than he does? You're going to be the spiritual leader. If he doesn't get his act together and God get a hold of his heart, <clears throat> so you should desire a man, a young man, who is already following God in the Word. And then number six, pure ambitions and motives. His motives are pure. His desire, as it says in Second Timothy two twenty two, is to be a clean vessel for God's use, and that's what he wants. Young men should not pursue after lustful, youthful lust. A disciplined thought life is a mark of a strong character and conviction. If that young man has got himself in, caught up in pornography and whatnot, his thinking is going to be warped and his ambitions and his motives. You know, Hannah is married, but but she didn't she didn't marry the very first guy she ever had a boyfriend as a boyfriend. And you know, she said, Dad, she said, You know what I've noticed different about John Mark than, than previous individuals? is that John Mark doesn't compliment my appearance all the time or talk about how beautiful I am. or and, and she said, in the past, that was what the other person was always talking about, as if that was what there was on their mind all the time. And she said, I realize now that 
he was probably not thinking clean all the time just by the way he was insinuating things or innuendos or things like that nothing terrible but just little things that I didn't recognize because of course it was flattering and it felt good Um, understand that your man needs to be pure and clean and then number seven choice of friends Proverbs 28 verse 7 talks about that a man should avoid friendships which will destroy his testimony or dim his love for Christ chapter 28 of Proverbs and verse 7 says whoso keepeth the law is a wise son but he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father um I tried to have friends that were as godly as me or better than me. I tried to look for friends who were going to lift me up, not pull me down. Uh, Your choice of friends. Number eight, victorious living. You overcome. Uh, In other words, answers to prayer. Uh, This young man is seeing God answer his prayers. He's living what he says he believes. Um, uh, In 1 John chapter 2, in verse 13, uh, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. Overcome. They've overcome some things. They've gotten victory over some things. They're victorious. The godly man is not dominated. That's the blank. The godly man is not dominated by sin, but rather he lives in victory. He's overcoming. And that was the other red flag that we had noticed uh, in our past with our daughter is, there, instead of victory, there seems to be defeat in some things. And so those are things we need to watch out. Now, I'm going to add one more. I'm going to add ruler number nine, all right? Ruler number nine, and uh, we'll go to Proverbs chapter 24 and Proverbs chapter 26. I think this is a good one, and the Bible talks about it. And in today's world, it seems to be a real problem. So Proverbs chapter 24 and verse uh, number 30, it says... Uh, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding and lo it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down then I saw and considered it well I looked upon it and received instruction yet a little sleep a little slumber a little folding of the hands to sleep so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and I want as an armed man let me warn you about ruler number nine he needs to be hard working not lazy you know, there's a lot of young men that know a lot of Bible and they know all the songs because they're always in church and they're, they're, they've been taught and, they, and so they know better than to get themselves involved in the wrong crowd. But the truth is, they don't work hard. They're lazy. And chapter 26 and verse 14, it says, As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom, agree them to bring it to his mouth again. He he never he just doesn't work hard. He doesn't earn his own way. Um, I don't know. I I don't pay attention, but I know this. I know for sure this is true. There are plenty of young men in Custer right now who drive a car to school, and they've never paid one dime for that car. And someone pays for the gas, and someone pays for the insurance. And he's cool and he's handsome and the car's nice. But their parents aren't doing them any favors. 
and although that might look cool at the time, it's not really a very attractive thing. If if you talk to the older ladies in our church, they'll tell you, you're going to have to pay for his car. Next time he needs a car, you're going to have to buy it for him. Don't you understand? You're going to have to go work. Um, don't get involved with a lazy guy. Now, I said it last week, I'll say it again. Don't date someone if you know you'd never want to marry them because it wouldn't be right. Don't date them. Don't get involved with them. But it'd be fun and I'd feel, no, listen, they're lazy, they're lazy. Once in a while I hear scuttle, you know, I hear a little talk or whatever about so-and-so. So-and-so's boyfriend never does anything. So-and-so's boyfriend doesn't do anything. So-and-so, but he's cute. Hi-yi-yi, you know. Um, understand, the Bible teaches hard work. Lamentations 3.27 says, It is good for a young man that he bear the yoke in his youth. One thing that we do is we take young people out and we do work once in a while. Our family, from time to time, will have a firewood festival. And then after we're done, we'll go out to eat and we'll pay them or do something. And we'll, call, we'll go cut firewood and we'll go work. And you know what? You can learn a lot about young people when you have to do a, a job, an actual manual labor work job. And you need to understand that a young man needs to know how to work. Someone's failed him if they've not taught him to work, if that everything should be free and easy. All right, quickly, I'm just going to paraphrase this, but Kevin was embarrassed because Jeremy was making fun of him because Jeremy was a jock and he was cool and he could bench press and he had muscles and he was athletic. And Kevin's carrying his Bible and Jeremy's making fun of the Bible and fun of Kevin. And Kevin says, all right, Jeremy, you carry my Bible around. And, of course, Jeremy didn't want to do that. Uh, Understand that you're not a man just because you got biceps. But if you're willing to stand for the Lord and carry the word of God and, and, and actually live for it and with it, that is... That is manly, and it's manly in a different way that the world doesn't understand. Now, don't be a weirdo, and don't be a goofball. Don't be a jerk, but understand that, that, that most young people think that Jeremy's the cool one and Kevin's the weirdo. All right, quickly, the models for manhood. I mentioned him already, Joseph, and if you are in my class on Sunday school, we are studying the life of Joseph, and what a, what a, a, a good, godly young man. I'm going to give you a lot of verses, and you're not going to be able to even turn to all these. But let me just read them to you as you write down the references next to Joseph. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 10. Proverbs 1 and verse 10 says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. We sing that song in Sunday school. Uh, Joseph didn't get enticed, even though sinners were trying to entice him. Proverbs chapter 5 talks about the strange woman and the woman that's not right and stay away from her, get away from her. Uh, understand that the stranger is not who you should be around. The, God invented marriage but not fornication, so stay away. Protect yourself. Be wise. Watch out where you're going. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is another one in verse 33. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty-three says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt 
good manners. That's why you shouldn't watch a lot of the junk that the TV and the Hollywood has to offer or the music because that's evil communications that's going to corrupt you and get you to thinking things you ought not be thinking. And I, I'm not even a TikToker, but I know TikTok is a big deal with all of this. And YouTube, there's so much junk on there. And young people, it's hard enough for an adult like me to handle it when it pops up in the screen, let alone you. So you need to be careful of that. First Thessalonians chapter 5, First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22 says, abstain from all appearance of evil. First Thessalonians 5.22, if it looks bad, if it looks doubtful, it's dirty, just stay away from it. If, if you've got any red flags, man, just don't go there. Don't get to that point. Stay away. And, uh, and then 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, I mentioned that one earlier, but 2 Timothy chapter 2 uh, and verse 20, it says, In a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared into every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that are called on God, call out on the Lord out of a pure heart. The idea of being pure and, and fleeing and running from lusts. And that's what Joseph did. He abstained. He said, I want to be a clean vessel. And God used him greatly because he stayed clean and right. That's what you got to be, young men. And ladies, that's what you need to be looking for and appreciate. Beware of the temptation situations. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, or I'll read it to you. 1 Timothy 5 and verse 14. It says, and I just want to, this one phrase. Um, it says, Oh boy, First, First Timothy 5 and verse 13, And withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Um, they, they're not where they ought to be. And then verse 14 says, I will therefore that the young women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Understand the importance of not giving occasion to the adversary to say something about you. In other words, you're just never in the wrong place because you know better than to go to that wrong place. Give none occasion. Don't, you know, we've got this wood stove in our gas, excuse me, we've got this wood stove in our garage. I was just told by one of the insurers in town that if you have a wood stove in your garage, they won't insure you. I know why. Because typically in a garage, there is also gasoline and oil and stuff. And so I've always tried to remind our family, you, we, we can't have the gas anywhere close to the stove. And, and the thing is, the thing is, is you, can get, you can get away with it for many, many times in a row. But what happens is you get a little more lax and a little more lax. I used to drive a propane truck. And the guy that trained me how to drive the truck smoked. And the bumper sticker on the back of the truck says, no smoking within 25 feet. And he's got a cigarette in his mouth, and he's hooking up the hose to the gas. And I'm just going, I, I mean, I just, we're going to blow. <clears throat> now, the truth is, you can get away with some of that. You, you can have your gas can close to your wood stove and might live to tell about it. But one of these days, if it's just the right situation, you're going to explode. And that's what you got to understand about boys and girls and men and women. No matter how, what your age are, your age is, beware of temptation situations. Don't give an occasion to get yourself into trouble. 
Second Peter 2, 9 through 13 talks about that. We won't turn there right now. And then Second Samuel 13, 6 through 11, it's a sad story about this warped guy named Amnon who had a half-sister named Tamar, and he was lusting after her, and he invited her to come over and feed him because he wasn't feeling good. And she came over, and she and she's feeding him because he supposedly wasn't feeling good. And then he says, and by the way, he, he said, I, I'm sick, so I'm going to be in my bedroom, and I'd like you to feed me in my bedroom. Says, ding, ding, this is weird. Why does he need her to feed him? And then he says, everybody leave except for Tamar. Everybody out. Everybody out. That should, ding, ding, ding. Girls, if, if a guy wants to be alone with you, hold it, hold it. Now the gas can's right next to the wood stove. Okay? Get it? And she didn't get it. She didn't recognize what Amnon was up to until it was too late. Okay? That's Second Samuel 13. Joseph was a man who understood what was going to happen. And Joseph lost his coat because you know, Potiphar's wife grabbed his coat, but he kept his character. Okay, Joseph lost his coat, but he kept his character because Joseph was a man who understood that this is wrong and I got to run. He didn't wait any longer. He moved out. David, in 1 Samuel 17, David stood when trained warriors fled because he knew that the battle was the Lord's and David fought Goliath. David stood and we need people to stand. We need men to be standing and leaders. Most of the men, including David's older brothers, were running from the giants. But because David was close to God, he knew God would would be with him. And then let her see, Daniel, in chapter 1 of Daniel, it says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat or with the wine that the king wanted him to drink. Daniel said, we do not want to consume this food and this wine that you have for us. We want to honor God instead. Would you give us a chance to honor God? And they did. And Daniel stood. And then letter D, you've got the young man Timothy in in the book of 1 and 2 Timothy. And then letter E, you've got a young man named Jesus. You know, Jesus was a young man at one time. And Luke chapter number 2, notice what it says about Jesus. Luke chapter 2 and verse 51 and 52, it says, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them, talking about his parents. Jesus subjected himself to his human parents. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And verse 52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He was the perfect teenager. Timothy was a young preacher who was grounded in the faith. And Jesus was the perfect teenager. He lived a life of balance and submission, and he had favor with God and man. Nobody in in Jesus' neighborhood ever said what a mean, selfish kid he was. He was in favor with God, of course, his heavenly father, and with man. And I realize that not everybody might like you because you might be right and they're wrong. But in a general sense, the neighborhood should say, hey, those are good kids. It's a blessing to me if someone says, and, 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 and someone called a year ago or so and said, hey, Matt, I'm looking for your son. I hear that he does lawns, and I need someone to do lawns, and I heard he's the guy to do it. And I appreciate hearing that, all right? Uh, Joshua opens up his paycheck, and he gets bonuses. That's good. 
that's good. That's that that means that somebody must like him. Somebody must be liking what his work is. The point is is that is that we shouldn't always have enemies. <laughs> we there should be people in our community, even if they don't agree with our religion, they're like, Yeah, that's a good worker, you know. That's a trustworthy person. You can you can tr- that's the type of man. Young man, you should be looking for young ladies. That's the type of man you should be, young men. They they know you're you're count you're you're accountable and you're worthy, they can count on you. You're trustworthy. All right. We started with Titus two six. Let's read it again. Titus chapter two, and then we'll be done. Titus chapter two and verse six it says Young men likewise exhort to be sober minded. Um Paul was telling Titus these things and telling him this is what you need. Um, and uh, we need to recognize that what he told Titus is what we need to be sober-minded. What does that mean? Serious-minded, letter A, serious-minded. doesn't mean you can't have fun or enjoy comedy or whatever. Of course you can. But the main focus is serious. You're not just out partying and living your life and just doing your thing. But you have a focus. Young ladies, I think you would be probably in agreement with me that a young man is somebody who's enjoying his life, but he has a focus. He's looking ahead. He's planning. He's preparing for the future. What does it Proverbs says about uh, prepare thy work without, make it fit for thyself in the field, and afterwards build thy house? He's planning. He's laying, you know, he's planning. He's making goals. He's, he's setting goals, and he's, he's not just spending his money on toys but he's saving because he wants to be able to afford something worthwhile like a house or something like that if you live in Custer you gotta save a lot of money anyway sober minded serious minded letter B showing thyself a pattern of good works alright verse 7 in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine showing uncorruptness and gravity sincerity uh, setting an example for others to follow Setting an example for others to follow. Uh, number C, uncorruptness in doctrine. Knowing what you believe, well-grounded in Bible doctrine. You could answer questions if someone asked you questions about the Bible because you've been paying attention in church rather than daydreaming or sleeping. He listens and he, he can answer questions and he can go to the Bible and show you the answers to those questions. That's not just for pastors. That's for any man. What, you, you know what happens if, if the church has a bunch of men who knows the Bible very well? It raises the bar for everybody. All of a sudden it makes the pastor go, man, I got to dig deeper and have better sermons because these guys know stuff. You know what I mean? And, and that's, that's what it does. And so even if, even if you, even if you are not going to be the next pastor, if you are deacons that know the word of God, that's a blessing to the whole church and to your family because family devotions become better and and your wife is confident in you as a man who knows the word of God. All right, letter D, gravity. What does that mean? Gravity, verse seven, worthy of respect. Just respectable, worthy of respect. Sincerity, not phony or hypocrite but honest and sincere. Not a phony, not, not pretend in any way, but a, not a hypocrite. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Just sound speech, knowing how to control your tongue. And then letter G, that he that is of a contrary part may be ashamed, 
having no evil thing to save you. In other words, displaying a testimony that brings conviction on those around you who are unsaved. I hope and pray that we have somebody in our church that says, you know, they're such a good worker. I just wanted to come to church and see why, you know, what kind of a church has kids like this. What a blessing that would be. They're such a good worker that I decide. I'm so impressed with who they are and their, their testimony, their, their honesty, uh, their reputation. And young ladies, you can be looking for that kind of guy instead of the world's kind of guy. All right, so uh, quickly, where do I stand? One man said, by the grace of God, I will be that man. I want to be the man that God has total surrender of. I want to be the man that God can use 100%. I want to be that man. And how do I measure up with courage and convictions and testimony and submission and Bible study and pure ambitions and motives and choice of friends and victorious living? Those are all the ruler, rulers that we talked about earlier tonight. And, and, and I added hardworking. And how do I measure up? Am I failing in any one of those nine things that Pastor gave me tonight? And then lastly, girls, what are your standards for choosing that special young man? And you can write down your standards. What are you looking for? You have to be praying over that list. You know what's going to happen, girls, if God sees you praying for that kind of a young man? You know what's going to happen? If you're serious, you're going to find him. You're going to meet him. God has neat ways of introducing people and same thing, guys, for the girls. And next week, we'll talk about the ladies as we continue. Now, hopefully, even if you're here and you're as old as the hills and you don't have children, hopefully you still realize that you can get something out of what we talk about and what the Word has to say. And you can encourage the young people in our church as well and understand what we teach them and what we expect of them and what God, most importantly, what God expects of them. <clears throat> and this subject that is so lacking in our world today. If you're missing maybe last week or you're missing something or you'd just like a folder to put this in, let me know and I'll try to help you get that. Uh, but we're going to meet next Wednesday and talk about the next one. So let's close in prayer tonight. And if you've got questions or have any need for anything, let me know. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. There's no reason for us to have divorces and heartaches and heartbreaks. There's just no reason for Bible believers, if we're all obeying, for anything to be dysfunctional. And Satan has done a great job of tearing apart Christian homes and giving young people the wrong goals and the wrong ideas. And that's just a vicious cycle of over and over again. Help the adults in here to realize that even if they have something in their past, there's a great way for them to use their testimony and their encouragement to help the young men and women in our church to learn better and to do better with it. And help us to desire to just help the next generation do even better than we did and to make better choices than we did. And help our church to then become stronger and better because of it. So help us to never shirk or to run from this subject just because the world laughs at it. Help us to recognize it is very minority now, but this is from the Bible. Help us to be able to see good young families growing and maturing and raising their families and and that you would provide the finances and the homes for them to live in and on and on. We ask that you just bless the young people who want to put you first in Jesus' name. Amen.